0: black we- wealth culture legacy welcome to the black wealth and culture podcast culture culture legacy C- culture black black wealth black black wealth legacy black we- wealth culture legacy Co- culture LaTanya King she will join us here on the program after just a little bit uh, but we we got a good one for you either way at least if you can withstand the sound of my voice without her voice complimenting it today we want to talk about goodness and greatness goodness gracious yes so the title of today's episode is From Good to Great. Let's Ride. Let's Ride, R-Y-D. is an acronym. It stands for Revisit Your Dreams. It's an acronym that I created, that I've been uh, using for several years now, probably since about 2018 on Instagram, a little bit on Facebook. Uh, really, it was an inspirational quote for me to remind myself to revisit those things that I always wanted to accomplish, that I always wanted to do in my lifetime, in my career, and not let my age or my circumstances or anything related to my um, present situation to slow me down and stop me from revisiting the dreams and the goals that I set out to accomplish for myself at one time in my life. So. Revisit your dreams is a message that I extend to you. I extend to you the opportunity to do just that. Revisit your dreams, but today I want to discuss to you the con- with you the concept of going from good to great. So, um, you know where I where I kind of came up with this is you know you hear somebody you ask somebody something or you present something to somebody and they'll tell you, no, nah, I'm good. Like lately online, I've been scrolling through Instagram at times and I'll see these online, you know, t-shirt shops that have, you know, popped up and, and um, they're selling shirts that have print on the front of them. And I see shirts that say, nah, I'm good. And, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, I understand that that's our culture. I understand that Um, you know, people are tired of getting, uh, duped and framed and, you know, um, misguided and miseducated and misled. And I I totally understand, I totally understand where that, where that comes from. Um, and at the same time, um, I believe that there comes a point in life where you have to examine whether or not you are actually good. And... I challenge you to also examine if your level of good, if where you are in the state, when you consider yourself good, if it couldn't be better, if you want it to be better, if you didn't want it to be better, like, could you go from good to great, right? So like nowadays when, you know, I present an opportunity to someone and they say, no, I'm good, I say That's great because that's exactly what I do. I show people how to go from good to great. I help take people from good to great. also help take people from great to excellent. also help take people from bad to good. And if you'd rather stay at good, that's okay, but there's two or three levels above good. I'm willing to help you get there, but you gotta be willing to listen to the opportunity. It might not be for you, but how do you know? As long as you say you're good, you're ignoring the potential to be better. I don't know if you want that for yourself, I mean, I can't speak for you. I don't know who you are, but I wouldn't want that for myself. I know one thing. I'm 50 years old. My life is not where I dreamt it would be at this stage in my life. And if I continue to, to tell myself that I was good, I would never do anything to improve it from where it is now when I'm 10 to 15 years away from retirement. And therefore, what would my life actually be when I decide to stop working? Just good? Or will I even be able to stop working since I was good and comfortable but not prepared for retirement? So I want to take you back. I want to take you back to the days of revisiting your dreams. Take you back to that mind state in that position in your life where you had a reason. You had a why. You had a cause. You had a purpose. There was something in you that was driving you above and beyond a paycheck, above and beyond a level of comfort. Sometimes to go from good to great, we got to bring that lion back out. We got to bring that dog back out a little bit. We got to start scratching and clawing a little bit. We got to get uncomfortable a little bit. We got to start moving and shaking different a little bit. Sometimes we might have to shake off friends and family members and and habits and, you know, a lot of different things we might have to totally remove ourselves from for periods of our lives just so we can go from good to great. But you got to want it for you because if you're content with being good, nothing will change. And if you don't change then you can look 10, 15 years down in the road in the future. If you're 50 years old like me, 45 to 55, and you're in that age bracket, you can look down the road and kind of see what retirement life might be like for you. And why am I talking about retirement life? Well, before we get on that, I'm going to you know, tell you a little background about me some of you guys know some of you guys don't know um, some of the things that I've done or where I've been in my life and you know nothing super special about me at all I have an average life like most people well maybe maybe my childhood might not have been so average but definitely my adulthood <laughs> for sure so um, I want to talk to you about revisiting your dreams and I'll talk about it through my experience if you ask what do I mean by revisiting your dreams? So I'm 49, like I said, 50 years old on the most glorious day this year of December 22nd. Thanks to my mommy and my daddy, I was delivered on a double-digit day, December 22nd, 1973, in the coldest day of the month. My frat brothers uh, understand maybe why 22 degrees and ice cold Tuesday means just a little bit more to me in December. So thank you, mommy and daddy, for presenting such a, a special gem. On such a special day. So, yeah, plus, plus I was born in a year of hip-hop. Plus I was born on the same day as the Corvette. What? Come on, man. Come on, man. Um. Anyway, if you're in my age bracket, we likely have very similar experiences. If you were born in the 70s or 80s, you know, we all experienced a lot of similar things in our lifetime. We We came up through hip-hop. We came up through the crack era. You know, we came up in an area where they didn't have seat belts in the backseat of cars, you know, where you could smoke cigarettes on an airplane in restaurants. We came up where you could leave your doors unlocked sometimes, you know, all throughout the night and without even fearing that anything would happen to you. You know, we came up through a lot. Some of the things we came up through were life-altering. Some of the things were traumatic. Some of the things were great times. You know, some of the things were... Uh, revolutionary such as the birth of the internet like you know if you're younger than 45 it might be a little shocking to hear that you know when I was in college the internet didn't didn't even exist that we as we know it until at least I was maybe a sophomore or a junior in college and that was when it very... First was being introduced as the World Wide Web, the information superhighway. <laughs> you know, everybody had a hard time trying to understand what that was. But at that time, we just had pagers and beepers. The flip cell, the cell phones, not even the flip phones, the little small Nokia phones, you know, were just starting to become a thing. They still had the little pull-out antennas. You know, if at that time somebody had offered me a cell phone and I decided, no, I'm going to stick with this pager because I don't understand what this cell phone thing is designed to do. I know they say it's better for me. I know they say it's, you know, in every single way, it's easier, it's, you know, saves time and, you know, improves communication over this beeper. But no, I'm good because it was foreign, because it was different, because I got to learn something different. I got to learn how to use this little computer in my hands. There was no such thing as laptops. So if I decided when laptops came out, no, nah, I'm good, carrying a little thin, thick thing around. At that, back then, they weren't so thin. <laughs> carrying around a little heavy brick thing like that and, you know, open it up with a screen out in public. That's kind of weird. No, nah, I'm good. Right, that's that's sign of the times. I'm behind. If I'm unwilling to expose myself to those new opportunities, those new things that were introduced into our lexicon during our lifetime, introduced to our way of living, our way of communicating, our way of moving forward, right? But we had to be willing to go from good to better or good to great in order to embrace those changes. The people of my generation, if you're, if you're 45 or 50 years old, 55 years old, you either caught up to the internet and caught up to technology or it has left you behind. And if you have allowed it to leave you behind by assuming the position of I'm good, I don't need that. That's just, that's too much for me to take on and learn. I'm sorry to tell you, but you're probably going to be left behind as far as your retirement is concerned and your future is concerned because Everything is digital and electronic and on broadband and on the internet and everything is done in in that form of capacity these days, nearly everything. So you got to get out of the I'm good state to open yourself up to the opportunity to grow as challenging as it might be so you can get to the I'm great state. Let's tell you a little story about my career and how, how I started and where I ventured into and how I ended up where I am exactly right now today. So I was born to two entrepreneurs, right? Both my mom and my dad, very successful in their own right. And neither of them college educated. I'll say my dad did go to college for maybe three or four semesters, but uh, did not earn a degree. My mom went to beauty school, but did not earn a degree from a, a collegiate institution. But both of them very successful in what they did. So I entered the game as an adult, as a young adult, with a vision, with a target, a sort of like a, a lifelong goal of one day becoming self-employed or my own business owner of some sort, right? That's all I saw. But I also had the, the struggle, you know, and still sometimes, you know, live under the shadow of that success of what my parents, you know, achieved, because I also had the struggle of the pressure to live up to my own expectations, based upon how I viewed myself in relation to my parents' success. So I always was looking to do better than what I saw from my parents, and not that I wanted to outdo my parents. My parents always wanted me to do better than they did, more than they did, right? Most parents want that for their children, and so did I. And so since I saw my parents as entrepreneurs, And I saw them as successful and they weren't college educated. I was exposed to and kind of entrenched into the the college route. And so I chose the college route because I was looking up the corporate ladder to reach another level of success or or greatness that I thought would be maybe above and beyond what my parents might have achieved. Not really realizing what was in front of me, what I was envisioning, what I was working with, what I actually had access to in terms of opportunity, right? So I went to Tennessee State University. I graduated from high school in 1992, um, and I earned a degree there in hotel and restaurant management. I met a one of my classmates there, I think, when I was a sophomore. He was a maybe a junior. His name was Demetrius. Uh, shout out to Demetrius Hall. Um, he worked at a hotel in downtown Nashville, lowe 's Vanderbilt Plaza Hotel, and he was he was in the guest services department, and they had a need for a concierge. And uh, I don't know what what brought him to ask me, but maybe I I might have said something to him looking for looking for a job opportunity. Uh, and you know, he hooked me up and got me a job there as a as a concierge, very prestigious job. So I thought, you know, I got to go to work in a shirt and tie and a very nice. Five-star hotel. A lot of stars and famous people stayed there. Um, as a concierge, I got to work on the um, the VIP uh, lounge, VIP floors, the tenth and eleventh floor. Uh, so I got to operate the VIP lounge. So a lot of the famous people that stayed there were on the tenth and eleventh floor, and they get to come in this lounge and have cocktails and crudite, <laughs> cheese and crackers and fruit crudite, right? Um, but you know, nice view overlooking the uh, the west end of West End Avenue, and just a, a nice experience for me. You know, I was a young black male in a high high level high class operation from from my thinking, and so I took advantage of it. I learned a lot from it, you know, and I envisioned myself climbing up the corporate ranks. I many times looked out the window, sitting on that tenth and eleventh floor, just imagining myself above and beyond where I currently was, right? I started to feel like I was becoming open to opportunities and confident in who I was and, you know, meeting some of these famous people and having conversations with them. And, you know, it started to open me up to just like, wow, life really about people. It's really about relationships. It's really about who, you know, it's really about opening up and talking to people. And, you know, and I got to serving them drinks and things like that. And that led to me, you know, looking into taking a bartending class or so took a bartending class. I did so well in the class. The instructor said, hey, I got a job for you when you graduate. I didn't know what it was. I thought he was gonna hook me up with a, you know, opportunity to go bartend somewhere. But, you know, he offered for me to instruct his class. So as a sophomore in college, you know, I'm I'm teaching a bartending class twenty hours a week, making twenty dollars an hour back then. That was a lot of money. Twenty dollars an hour. I mean, it was only one other person I knew making more than that. My homie Damani was making a little bit more than that. Um at the time. But, you know, I thought I was balling, right? but $1600 a month in 1994 that was quite a bit of money you can tell me nothing You know, and I still held a part-time job at the hotel. I was still a concierge there. I also worked at the front desk. And I was part-time bartending at Houston's Restaurant up the street. Another level of prestige for me instead of just bartending at a regular, you know, some other bar, or some other restaurant. Houston's Restaurant is one of the higher-end restaurants uh, around the country. I'm not sure if they still exist, but at one time they did. And they had, you know, restaurants all across the country, kind of a high-end steakhouse. And so I bartended there part-time too. Uh, So I was all about opportunity, all about growth, all about going from good to great, all about showing my parents. And I wasn't doing it for my parents. I was doing it just because of my parents and because what they instilled in me. But I also wanted to show them that I could move above and beyond where they had exposed me to in my lifetime, in my childhood. So I knew if I was ever going to achieve the type of success that my mom and dad did, that I was going to have to be willing to grow and stretch myself in a lot of different ways. And like I said, that's what, that's what I did. I graduated. I got married early in, in life, moved back to California. Um, I started working for my father, all right, working with my father. I won't say for my father. I, I consider it a pleasure having had that experience. And this is where it gets a little deeper into opportunity. My father was a McDonald's franchisee for 20 years, right? Had the pleasure of getting started at the young age of 27 down in Southern California. Ended up, you know, at one point managing, or excuse me, not managing, owning a couple of McDonald's operations in Oakland, California, East Oakland, MacArthur Broadway Center as well. And then was blessed enough to be able to end up owning all of the McDonald's restaurants in the city of Vallejo, where I was born and raised. Uh, there was at that time five restaurants, and he owned all five of them for several, several years. I managed in a couple of them for him. I worked with him for a while and managed in one of the stores, you know, for a couple of years. But you know, this was right after I graduated from college, and. You know, in college, I got exposed to a different style of life, a corporate style of life. I wasn't more so much in the entrepreneur mind state. College didn't teach me how to be an entrepreneur, right? It taught me to climb the corporate ladder, how to elevate to the next position in my corporation, as fast as possible, how to be a leader in that environment, how to duplicate people beneath me and duplicate patterns of behavior and success, but not how to do it for my own profit, how to build myself as an entrepreneur. And so I got used to, you know, especially working in those hotels. I mean, in college, I was like, man, I went to work every day, it was quiet, it was relaxing, it was comfortable. You know, I got to eat good, you know, I got to meet cool people. You know, it was like a a lifestyle, right? It wasn't just a job. Now, I know I was making more money when I was managing McDonald's, but I wanted that comfortable. I know I'm good. I feel like I'm good lifestyle. So after two years of working with my father, I decided to leave him and go back to working in hotels. I made a decision to depart from him, and um, it was a very difficult time of me, you know, handing in my resignation letter to my dad, you know, today- you know, I still carry a little bit of that regret that I didn't, you know, stick it out with my father. And dad, if you listen, and I don't know if I ever told you this, but yeah, man, I there was some, re- there's some regret there because, um, not because of the money, you know, I haven't even told you guys what, where the money come from, but not because of money, but you know, not because of how he profited off of the operations after he sold the stores, but, You know, because of what, you know, we could have likely become, we could have likely accomplished together. Like, you know, we had many talks and conversations at times about expanding from five stores to 10 stores to maybe 20 stores and having, you know, stores all over the Bay Area. And I I think that my dad was very um, ambitious in that thought and saw me as a vital piece to that potential dream. And I'm not sure internally how, how much he wanted to pursue it, but I know it was something that we occasionally talked about. And, uh, I walked away from that and, you know, there's some regret there. You know, my, my father eventually ended up two, you know, so I started working with him in 1997 and I left in late 1998. So a year and more than a year and a half, almost two years. Right. But over those two years, a lot of stuff happened while I was managing there. You know, I had a baby, a young son. My first son was born, was newly married I had moved twice from California, from Tennessee to California, and then, you know, moved within the time frame. And when I was living in Vallejo, and um, I experienced quite a few things managing that store, uh, and it was a whole lot different than when I was in those hotels or teaching that bartending class, right? So I wanted to go back to that what I thought was more comfort, more a little bit laid back. So. I lived five minutes away from that McDonald's that I managed. That was my father's store, right? Five minutes away, around the corner. I decided to take a job that was 35 or 45 minutes away that was a longer commute for less money because I wanted to be in something that was comfortable because in terms of McDonald's, nah, I'm good, right? And two years later, in the year 2000, uh, my father was made an offer that he couldn't refuse and uh, unexpectedly ended up selling all five of his McDonald's operations back to the McDonald's Corporation for a hefty penny. Let's just say double-digit, well over 10000000 million. Let's just say that. And that's not to brag, you know, that was a very worthy proposition that was made to him, and I understand why he did it. But just think, and I, this is not about the money for me. This is, this is a conversation about opportunity and about, nah, I'm good, and about being comfortable and about thinking that my corporate job is going to do more for me than what I could be able to do for myself. That's what this is about, and that's what I wanted. I thought that corporate job and that 401K plan and that me working my way up the ladder was going to get me further than where my father could get me or where being part of his ownership team could get me or where you know, grinding it out in something that was already laid out in front of me, a prepared system that, if nothing else, could potentially uncap my earning potential. But I was good because I wanted comfort, right? I was good. I wanted comfort. I didn't want to work two more years, two more years. And again, this has nothing to do with the money. This is, I did not want to put forth two more years worth of effort if I had had that same opportunity been made to him at that same time. Situation might have been different in terms of how I might have been involved in that process. Maybe he wouldn't have even sold him and we would have continued to do bigger things at that point. I don't know what the outcome would have been and I'm not trying to predict it nor do I regret what it was from a standpoint of how it impacted me except that there was an opportunity for a legacy to be created and I walked away from that opportunity because I wasn't willing to put forth the effort. Not that i Didn't want to work hard. I'm a very hard worker. Here's the flip side of it. I worked 27 years from that point to today in that industry, busting my butt, slaving, working extremely hard, making very minimal pay. I did a calculation over the course of my lifetime, and this is kind of a rough estimation. You know, I don't have all my W-2s and 1099s and everything, but it's kind of a rough estimation over the course of my lifetime, from my college days to now. Rough estimation made around $940,000 in my lifetime, just just shy of a million dollars of lifetime earnings. Now, to some people, that might sound like a lot, but I know that that's not very much compared to a lot of people. My wife is a doctor and makes, has always made more, earned more money than me. So if we did this same calculation with her earnings involved, it might be two to three times that dollar amount. So that's not a very high amount, but... That's not the point. The dollar amount's not the point. What it's saying is I have very little to show for those 27 years worth of work and that $940,000 of estimated lifetime earnings. But that's the route I chose because I wanted the comfort of the corporate umbrella, the guaranteed paycheck, not like my dad wasn't paying me. Guaranteed paycheck, the 401k, the prestige, the corporate ladder, the climb. I wanted that challenge. I took my eyes off the prize. My prize was the conversations that my dad and I had. That was our why. That's what we're doing. That's what we were trying to build. That was what was being discussed. And I took my eyes off of that prize. Why? Because, nah, I'm good. I wanted comfort. I didn't want to continue working hard enough to see what it could have been. And that's when I lost. Not only did I lose out on the opportunity to change the trajectory of my life and my family's life and our financial future, but also lost on the opportunity to help my father maintain and build a larger legacy than the one he did build. And that comes from the attitude of comfort, the corporate ladder. Our college degrees have have worked very well for many of us, but also have positioned many of us to stay stuck in where we are and not ever look at opportunities to grow, to uncap our potential. I invite you to revisit your dreams, revisit your why, take yourself from good to great, or allow somebody to help you. Take yourself from great to excellent, or allow somebody to help you. As far as your life is concerned, as far as your financial future is concerned since this is the Black Wealth and Health Black Wealth and Culture Podcast Black Wealth and Health yes, that too since this is the Black Wealth and Culture Podcast in relation to your future financial health if you're my age retirement's around the corner for us 10, 12, 15 years you decide you have to decide because if you don't decide retirement's going to decide itself for you it's coming for all of us whether you retire because you choose the date you go out and how much money you go out with, or your health chooses it for you, or your employer chooses it for you, or your life circumstances chooses it for you, or God forbid, death chooses it for you. But either way, will you be prepared for it? Because it's coming. And if you're my age, you don't have much more time to really prepare if you haven't started that preparation. Next month, the month of April, is Financial Literacy Month. It's an opportunity for you to become educated on how your money works, how your money gets taxed, how your money grows or doesn't grow based on where you are putting your money and how you can ensure a tax-free, stress-free retirement. If you've never heard of vehicles that will allow you to have a tax-free, stress-free retirement, and if you aren't prepared right now, squarely prepared for retirement, like you confidently know right now that on a particular day, you will be done working and you will be good financially when you make that decision. If you aren't in that position, you need to see someone to help you create a solid financial retirement plan. That's where my wife and I come in. At Legacy Financial Planning Partners, that's exactly what we do. Why? We know the road. We're on the same road, in the same boat with you, preparing for our retirement and I've learned some amazing things over the past year or so that if most of you knew, you'd have probably already started doing them. So I look forward to speaking to you to help you, help you understand the landscape of wealth development, the landscape of retirement savings, the landscape of annuities, insurance policies, life insurance policies. Not sure if you know or not, but life insurance is the safest wealth development tool ever hands down nothing truly compares to it yes there are things that have higher returns at certain times during a 20 year lifespan but I don't want to wait 20 years to see my money go up only to watch it fall back down and just balance out over the course of those 20 years Or I could have been doing something else with my money that wouldn't have gotten taxed, wouldn't have gotten penalized, I wouldn't have lost, I would have grown. I could see it right now and I could plan for retirement and have a peace of mind every day as I go to work until I get to that day of retirement. Because I know what's coming for me. There's an opportunity for you to do that. There are tools available for you to do just that. You need to speak to a licensed financial professional like myself to give you the education and the access to those tools. My wife and I are both non-captive life and health insurance agents, which doesn't just mean that we sell life and health insurance. It means we have access and knowledge to all the tools required to help a person maximize and optimize their life savings. A life insurance plan is not just death protection. It's not just funeral expenses. That's what you think? Maybe you don't understand what I'm talking about right now. Far, far more than that. So much more than that. We protect our cars, we protect our cell phones, we protect our homes, we protect our jewelry. We even buy protection plans for electronics that we buy from Best Buy or somewhere like that. But when somebody approaches us about protecting our life or planning for our future, nah, I'm good. And your life is the most valuable asset that you have. Your ability to earn money is your most valuable asset because it doesn't always last. At some point, you're going to not be able to do the things that you can do right now to continue earning the level of income that you're earning. So you got to seize the day now, especially as we're getting older and closer to retirement. That's my plea for you is to start opening up your mind to opportunity to your future. If you keep doing what you've always done, you're going to keep getting what you always got. If you've been working 25, 30 years in the same industry, the same field, making around the same kind of money, and you're not squarely confident that in 10 to 12, 15 years, when your desire to retire is at its all-time high, if you're not squarely confident right now that you will be prepared for that moment, then you got a lot of work to do. And that's most of us. So don't feel bad about that. That's most of us. But what does that work consist of? First of all, because of being real with ourselves about where we are financially right now, instead of saying I'm good, because if you were good, you wouldn't have worries about retirement. If you were good, you wouldn't have any debt right now. If you were good, you would have no credit issues. If you were good, you'd have an emergency fund. If you were good, you would already know about Wealth development tools, the ones that I'm referring to, you would already know about the best tools available to help reduce your taxation, to reduce your tax liability, to guarantee to not ever lose a penny of your money. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you're not good because there are ways to ensure that your money never, ever loses. If your money is sitting in a bank account right now, every day every hour, every second that your money is sitting in a savings account, you are losing. You are losing the money game. I don't care how much money you have in that bank account. I don't care if it's $2, $200, $2,000, or $200,000. You're losing. Why? Because that savings account, more than likely, is not paying you not even more than 1%, probably less than 1%. Inflation is very high right now. Last month in February... Was 6%. Inflation rose 6%, at least 5% higher than what your savings account is giving you in interest. So your money's sitting there, and by the time you pull it out, it's three, four, 5% less valuable than it was when you put it in there. That's really what that means. So your, your $100 that you put in there is re- really now worth about 95 $94. That's really what that means. Just because you left it sitting in a savings account during the month of February. How sick does that sound, right? What if you could put that same $100 that will grow tax-free and distribute tax-free? And it will be guaranteed not to ever lose. And you could borrow it back from yourself if you needed to with no problem. What if there was a, a vehicle that allowed you to do that? Would you be interested in hearing more or are you good? There's a whole lot more perks to the two particular vehicles that I'm talking about. Are you interested in hearing more or are you good? Because I'm going to tell you one thing, your 401k plan is not going to cut it. I don't care how much money you have in there now. If you pull it out before you're 59 and a half, one, you're going to get penalized 10%. Two, you're going to be taxed at whatever the current tax rate is on that higher number of whatever you pull out. Three, in these days, I told my wife, here's an analogy for you. Here's what leaving your money in a 401k plan today is like. Let's say you got $100,000 in your 401k plan. Leaving that money in there today is like taking that $100,000 and going to set it on a corner outside, walking away from it, not even looking at it for two, three, four weeks, however long it's been since you physically looked at your 401k plan, not looking at it, but then coming back and expecting it to still be there, hoping it's still there, wondering why it's not still there. That's what you're doing. You're leaving it all in the hands of somebody else to manage for you and to ensure that you don't lose. And do you really think that that's what they're in it for, to make sure that you don't lose? that's not what a 401k plan was designed for. A 401k plan was designed to be a tax benefit to the companies that employed that 401k plan. It was a way for them to be able to pay you as an employee the least amount that they could legally pay you and still get the largest tax break. That's why they're willing to contribute to it. But guess what? When your 401k plan is losing money... It's not just losing that money that's contributed, it's losing your money too. If it gained money last year and it's losing money this year, even though it's losing more mon- losing less money than it gained last year, that's still your money. That's just going down the drain. Do you know that no matter when you pull your money out of that 401k plan, four people get paid before you even touch your money. Your money, that money, that dollar figure that you see attached to the end of your 401k plan is not truly what you're going to receive. There's four other people that's going to get paid before you see that number. Federal government is one of them. The company that is managing your 401k plan and that index is one of them. More than likely, the agent or the administrator who wrote that 401k plan for your company is one of them. And your company is also getting some benefit from it. And you're good you're willing to allow that to continue to happen instead of taking control of it. Just because it's something different that you've never heard before, you don't want to listen to anything new. You're not willing to grow. You're not willing to consider some new possibilities. You think someone's trying to get over on you. You think someone's trying to make some money off of you. Well, guess what? If I'm trying to help you save money, that means I'm trying to help make money off of you? You saving money for yourself. How how can I make money off of you saving money for yourself? Now I can make money off you spending money on buying some stocks. You spending money, but you saving for yourself, because that's what a life insurance plan is. That's what an annuity plan is. You saving for yourself. You're saving for a rainy day. You're saving for life after death, which is your family. You're saving for your future. You're saving for a guaranteed retirement. You saving for that day that you can take advantage of your license to chill. That's what I refer to retirement as, your license to chill. On the day you retire, you have earned your license to chill. Now, how well you prepared for that retirement day is going to determine how able you are to take advantage of that license. If you prepare very well, you're going to have a great life and you can take full advantage of that license to chill. And if you did not prepare very well, you're going to have that license but it's going to be hard for you to chill if you got to still earn money to survive. So it's never too soon. It's never too late. All right. We're going to pause for a minute. In just a few minutes, we're going to have the beautiful Dr. Latanya King here with me. And I want to remind you to allow yourself to move beyond good, to see yourself in greatness, to see yourself in excellence, to open yourself up to opportunity to consider doing something different than what you're currently doing, even if it means you got to work a little bit harder for the next three, four, five years. If you had to work 10 more years working hard at something that was new and unfamiliar to you to prepare yourself for a potentially, let's say, let's say you had a potential to make a million dollars in 10 years, you could retire with a million dollar nest egg in 10 years. A million dollars is not a lot of money. In 10 years, if you earn $100,000, if you were to save it, you got a million dollars, okay? So let's talk about 10 years. If you could end with a million dollars in 10 years, would you be willing to do that job, whatever it was requiring of you, as long as it wasn't going to kill you? So if you can answer that question, yes, then you can open yourself up to an opportunity where you got to learn how to do something new that's going to challenge you a little bit, that's going to push you a little bit, but uncap your income and your potential. When you work for yourself, you own your own business, become an entrepreneur, whatever that might be for you. But you got to open yourself up to opportunity of doing something different. If you don't get on the right side of the cash flow quadrant, you're going to be working forever. Warren Buffett said, if you don't find a way to earn money while you sleep, you're going to work until you die. So I encourage you to revisit your dreams and prepare for that day where you could take full advantage of your license to chill. Yes, yes. So that is all I have to share with you today from my end. I hope that you got something out of it. Again, revisit your dreams. All right. Don't let anything stop you. There are no excuses. Take the brakes off of yourself and, and allow yourself to go on a run, a run of, of victory and a run of 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 health and and wealth preparation, so that you can enjoy the remaining days of your life. And with that, uh, the beautiful Dr. Latanya King has entered the space and is joining the podcast now. Dr. King, I've been sharing with the people uh, about um, revisiting their dreams and following through with their life's passions and going from good to great stop allowing their current good situation to prevent them from growing and entering into a great or excellent space. Uh, Dr. LaTanya King, how are you today?
1: Hello, hello. I am wonderful. I am in the land of the living. So I'm great.
0: That is great, 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 great. Our audience is at least primed and ready to hear your voice at this point. I've been talking for the last 30 minutes or so, so I'm going to turn the show over to you. And with that said, I am out.
1: All right. Well, thank you for that introduction. I am Dr. Latanya King, your wealth care NP. I am a board certified family nurse practitioner, and I am very excited about today's topic going from good to great because I have these conversations often with my patients and family members because we oftentimes, especially when it comes to our health, we think we are good or like we say, I'm good, right? Or I'd rather not know than know when we talk about those preventative health exams. It is very important for us to get those tests and blood work done that could give us a picture of how our health is overall. The worst thing that can happen to us as individuals is to perish because of something that could have been prevented if only we were not, quote, good right, and didn't go to the doctor to get those tests and things done. So I'm going to talk to you briefly about some of the lab work or blood work that you can get as a start so that you can get an overall picture of what your health is like. So um, I will back up briefly. I've been working in the health field now for probably almost 25 years, and now I'm dating myself, which is a good thing. I am Look, I I believe age is a wonderful thing, a beautiful thing, and so I am coming up on 50 here in a few weeks, and I am very much so on a crusade and wanting to get this information out to everybody and anybody, especially those that we love and our listeners, because I share with my patients who I don't know all across the, the U.S. every day, so... First of all, let me back back and talk a little bit about the culture, uh our culture as African Americans and of course when we are speaking on our podcast This is for every and anybody, all cultures, right, who want to seek knowledge, who want to do better with their health, with their finances, and preparation for retirement and all of those things. But as an African-American woman, in my health career, I have been on a crusade pretty much from the beginning of time since I've started as a nurse. Um, Outside of working in an intensive care unit, I began to fall in love with preventative health care which led me down the road of care management and utilization management and all and care management in the last probably five years or so to disease management and chronic care management, right, and preventative health disease. So when we think about health disparities, and I won't go into that a whole lot, but let's talk about some of the health challenges for African Americans because our podcast is black wealth and culture. Is that right, baby? That's right. So, I want to talk talk a little bit about the culture and then we'll get into some of the health aspects that I wanted to talk about. So, compared to our average white counterparts, African Americans are generally at a higher risk for heart disease, strokes, cancer, asthma, influenza and pneumonia, influenza is the flu, diabetes, HIV, and AIDS. And this, and this is according to the Office of Minority Health, uh, which is a part of the Department of Health and Human Services. I'm sorry, that's the, that's the nerd in me. And that's the, the DNP in me. I got to give my, um, my sources. So, one, let's talk about why that is so. There's residential segregation. There is less access to health care. So, residential segregation... When you think about the majority of African Americans and even Hispanics, right, um, where we live, and more than likely there is a lack of hospitals and other healthcare care providers and, and, and clinics, that's residential. And then we get into lack of access. So the majority of black adults, we have less access to quality medical care. And where you live is one of the major reasons why black people in the U.S. generally have worse health outcomes than other adults. So I'll probably spend like the next episode or one of my segments, I call my Wealth and Peace segments, I will talk a- about health care disparities. Um, I've had a wonderful opportunity to work at FQHCs, that's federally qualified health centers, and safety net hospitals. So for those of you who are not in the health field, both of those um, areas serve the underserved population, meaning they're homeless, they have insurance, or underinsured, and so... That is kind of where what my crusade has been is helping the underserved. So just wanted to give a little backdrop as to one of the reasons why there is such a health disparity or a gap in health care with African-American population. And so this episode is from good to great. So let's talk about just some basic preventative health lab work that you can receive. Even if you don't have health insurance, there are a lot of telehealth companies you can go online pretty much and find a company where you can get lab work and blood work done. That's one of the things that I do when I'm not working in this wonderful crusade of financial education and um, retirement. I'm still working full-time in the nurse practitioner doing telemedicine serving people all across the U.S. But some of the basic lab work that you can do is like what we call a metabolic health panel. So three things that we should be looking at is our kidney function, our a lipid panel, and what's called our metabolic health. So when we talk about our kidney function, we are essentially evaluating how our kidneys are functioning. And let's talk about what are the job of the kidneys and where are they located. So a lot of people, if we think about the kidneys, Babe, where do you think your kidneys look? <laughs> Putting you on the spot. Where do you think your kidneys look? Somewhere well, you know my, that because of in me. my lower back. Right. He just knows that because of me, guys. But, yes, your kidneys are in your lower back. That's why when you go to the doctor, if you have a, a urinary tract infection, we do tap that area back there because that's where your kidneys are located. But we think about what is the main job of the kidneys? What would you say, babe? What you think?
0: I mean, coming from a man's perspective, this is just like, a natural response. Every time I think about the kidneys, I think about when I only think about my kidneys when I partake in some kind of alcoholic beverage and it filtering out the toxins. That's what I think about.
1: Right, but no, you're you're spot on. So the kidney's job is to filter out the blood. Okay. Right. So he knows a lot of that too just from listening to me. <laughs> but um osmosis. Yes, yes, and our medi- medications um there are some medications that are filtered by the kidneys as well, um, and so it's important for us to know the function of that because when the kidneys go right, or if they're not functioning like they should, where what type of services do people end up receiving when their kid, when their kidneys are no longer functioning like they should?
0: Um, is that dialysis?
1: Listen. Listen man, I'm <laughs> <laughs> I'm out to get. Okay, okay. Osmosis. B-Bert. Yes, yes. That's how people end up on dialysis and you know that machine that's filtering the blood. But we won't get into all that. So, kidney function is very important. Some lab work or lab tests that you should have. One is called uh, a BUN and a creatinine. So you like, okay, what's a bun? Not a hamburger bun, right? <laughs> what's a bun? BUN stands for blood urea nitrogen. <laughs> And this test measures the amount of urea or nitrogen in the blood. And it is an indicator of the kidney's ability to function as a filter. And then we have the creatinine. Okay, and that's a compound produced by the muscles in your body. Yes, muscles and like urea nitrogen it's filtered out of the blood by the kidneys so that's why i mean i don't know all the the reasons why some bodybuilders and things like that a lot of sometimes they take creatine stuff like uh, that i thought
0: it was creatine, creatine but creatine. yeah
1: But yes, it is produced by the muscles, but it's also filtered out of the blood by the kidneys. So you want to have both of these things measured or have these levels measured and your provider can measure those to get an idea of how your kidneys are functioning, right? So... That's kidney function. So the big thing that a lot of us know about is what in the health field we call a lipid panel. And that's when we look at our cholesterol. There's different types of cholesterol and triglycerides, right? But why this is so important because the lipid panel is used to help determine the risk factors for cardiovascular disease and stroke so the two main types of cholesterol that is typically checked one is called a ldl and the other one is called an hdl the ldl is your bad cholesterol and how i explain it to my patients is you think of l you think of lousy the hdl is your good cholesterol so you think hdl you think H. Happy, and it's important that you know these things because you want to be knowledgeable when you go into the doctor's office or you're speaking with your health provider, so you can ask about these things. Because there is a shortage in healthcare right now, especially after COVID, there is a mass exodus of nurses, of teachers, and I won't even get in into that. I mean, my son has had—I don't think he has had a consistent teacher since COVID. Uh, but I said that. To say you want to be knowledgeable because you may have a nurse tech or someone who is not a provider that's delivering your lab work to you, and say, and they may say, hey, "Hey, everything's good," but then you can ask and say, "Hey, I want to know what my LDL is, and I want to know what my HDL is."
0: Can, can I can I uh, ask you a question right there, Doc? Mm-hmm. So if I'm if I'm forty five, fifty. 55 in that age range, 45 to 55 years old, our age range, right? And I'm trying to prepare myself for a a lifestyle after I stop working that I can enjoy, that I can travel, that I can spend time with family and friends, that I can maybe do some active things and, and have the energy and capacity to to give back to my community in different ways or pursue some of my hobbies and goals and and you've given me some you've given us some very good uh detailed information here but if i'm if i'm in our age range and there's three things that are absolutely critical for someone in our age bracket to ensure that we get checked like right now at our age what are those top 3 things that you would recommend for someone in our position to ensure that if you get nothing else done if you go seek help for nothing else, seek help for these things as you're aging at this stage in your life. Do you have any recommendations as far as that's concerned?
1: So a couple of things. Um, when I, I'm going to finish talking about the blood work that you should get done, and then I'll get into some of the preventative health tests mm-hmm. um, or screenings that you should get done, if okay. like nothing else. So as far as with the blood work, the kidney function, definitely, because if you don't get those checked and you think you're good and you're not, because what happens over a period of time, once the kidney is damaged, I won't go into all the details of how the interworkings of the kidneys and nephrons and all of that, but once those those things are damaged, there's no coming back from it, mm-hmm. right? So that's why that's important, your lipid level, your cholesterol levels, because If that's not checked and you don't know those, that can lead to heart attack and stroke, and we already know what the detriments of a stroke can be, and then your metabolic health, which is looking at your something called a TSH, which is your thyroid-stimulating hormone levels, and your hemoglobin A1C, which is an indicator if you have diabetes or prediabetes or not. So that's the blood blood work portion, right? And those things are important because... Mm -hmm um oftentimes i if we go back and like i was talking about the health disparities as african americans we are more prone to all these diseases and one of the diseases that we typically have that's called a silent killer is hypertension because we don't mm-hmm. know it and by the time we know it it is too late mm-hmm. so mandatory definitely stress yeah those yeah blood work and we already yeah we know stress can lead to all of those things um and then as far as test is concerned, is your colonoscopy, mm-hmm. okay? That's a test that look, takes a deep dive and looks at your, your colon. Because when you have a colonoscopy, <clears throat> there's other tests that you can have as well, something called a Cola Guard, which looks at kind of the DNA if you're more prone to colon cancer. But I typically, we don't talk about that because, unfortunately, it's, Um, whether or not it's covered by insurance it's a whole kind of process that goes into that but definitely colonoscopy or a guard, we can also do a fecal sample to see if there's any blood in your stool so those are three ways that you can check to make sure that you do not have those risk factors of guard. I haven't done a deep dive and to look to see what happened with Chadwick Boseman and I do know he had colon cancer but it's 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 saddening to me when i hear about um and again i don't know his journey but that is one thing that you can do on the preventative health side is the colonoscopy you don't want to go through the whole prep of the colonoscopy because it is a a thing that you have to prep for there is something where you can have your stool checked it's called a fecal occult test and there is something called a cola guard and that test is something that you can even have mailed to your house And then for women, a mammogram, of course, is one of the things that you should have as far as when you should start, when you should get it or not. Um, If you have a family history of like breast cancer and colon cancer and things like that, you can ask your doctor about having that test done early. So for women, definitely a mammogram. Coligar for both men and women. And then for men, your prostate health, as far as having a, a prostate exam and blood work that you can check for that as well is some of the things that you should definitely have checked to look at so we can try to prevent or at least know where we are when we think we're good, but we're really not good. We're just in this place of, you know, I know the favorite saying of what we like to say, look, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? What I don't know won't kill me. Actually, that's not
0: true. Mm-hmm. That's a fallacy. Uh, and so I do have a question. So going back to the Cologuard or the colonoscopy that you mentioned, um, what age, because I know you mentioned mammograms too, and you, you, you said, you know, you you definitely want for the women to check with their doctor to find out if there's a history and 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 do those things periodically but at what ages should a person get a colonoscopy um and is that a routine thing that should be done over to you know more than one time you know in their lifetime like should they get that frequently after a certain age yes
1: yeah, so um Again, like the standard age with like a gar it can be like around 45, but um, so I'm coming up on 50. Definitely when you turn 50 years old, you should definitely have these tests and things done. But like I said, if you have a family history of colon cancer with a first degree relative, you can have those tests and things done as early as 10 years uh, before the
0: suggested age. okay, okay. yeah
1: so um,
0: I think that's important you know yeah I know I've I had a colonoscopy done about maybe five years ago. I know my father recently had one for um, all races, all ages um, but particularly for black men, definitely something that we need to be on top of uh, and not be good but go get that done so we can ensure we have the ability to be great in our health.
1: Yes. And so one of the things that I wanted to mention too, is that um, our overall health span doesn't match our lifespan. Meaning that like the average American lives on average, about 10 years in poor health Mm. because we have not taken the time to get these preventative health screenings and blood work done. Or because we are, quote, we are good, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And then 80% of Americans Mm -hmm. age 65 and older have at least one chronic condition. That means this is something that you're living with for the rest of your life. With hypertension being the more common one. So... This is really important in how this ties into retirement and all that that is yes, the financial part of that we don't want to outlive our money, but the sad part is being healthy can help protect your retirement savings because what we do know with inflation and everything else, the cost of health care is rising, mm-hmm. and that means even if you have insurance, your out of pocket cost is rising. Mm-hmm. I have insurance and I have to do a double take because when I'm going or taking the kids to the doctor or the dentist, I'm like, why is there still an out-of-pocket cost? So um, you can only imagine for those who don't have insurance or are underinsured what that looks like.
0: And that's not including the medications, you know, the follow-up treatments or anything like that.
1: Right. And then that's a whole nother episode is where I will talk a little bit about Medicare, right? And that whole thing with Medicare mm-hmm. and all the different Medicare, A, B, C, and D. And what does that mean? What does that look like?
0: Cause believe it or not, some of us listening might be approaching that age where we're dependent on Medicare. Some of us currently might be dependent on Medicare and most of us have parents that at least are at the age where they could take advantage of Medicare or Medicaid if they had that need. So Um, I think that's an important topic to address at some point in the future.
1: Yes, and so those are some of the brief topics that I wanted to talk about when we're talking about good to great because Mm -hmm. I hear that often even as it relates to our health care. One of the things that I wanted to mention as we age is the importance of cognitive and for the lay people, lay meaning those that are, are not in the health profession, that's our brain, how our memory and our brain health and that is of extreme importance as we age and approach retirement. Research has even showed that more than money or anything else, one of the things that retirees really think about more than anything that is of extreme importance is the worry of Alzheimer's and or other forms of dementia is what they fear the most. And so there are cognitive tests that your doctor can do as well. And that's typically once you are 65 and older and that's where we actually ask you questions or yeah. I may like with some of the, my patients. I may ask you to draw a clock mm. and write out two fifteen. As simple as that sounds, when your cognitive or your brain health begins to diminish, you do not realize how hard it is for somebody to draw a clock and write out two fifteen. I have seen a lot of different things, but mm. if even if you're not 65 and older, this is something that you should be advocating for, for your parents to have these screenings done. And if they have Medicare, they should be having this done annually anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those cognitive screening tests are imp- very important.
0: Yeah, well, you mentioned, you know, 10 years, the average person, the average American spends 10 years in poor health. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, you know, that's kind of... Um, eye-opening to me because when I think about you know retiring when I think about you know enjoying life life is short it's too short to have any amount of years of it subject to hospital visits hospital treatments medical treatments consistent medications you know surgeries different disease diagnoses and Uh, you know i just you know implore each of you listening to take heed to what being discussed here today because retirement and enjoying a financial legacy that you've created for yourself and for your family is all for naught if you are not healthy enough to to really enjoy it to live through it to be here to to make it all worth it right Right. so
1: right and for us like When you think about the definition of being healthy, that shifts with age. So for younger people, when we think about being healthy, we mainly just like, okay, we're in, quote, good condition and we free of disease, right? We're good, we're good. But again, a couple of weeks, I'm gonna be 50. When you 50 plus, that's a whole new type of definition, right? What that means to be healthy. And one of the main things, I know for me is being able to live without any kind of chronic conditions or if so being able to manage those conditions where I still have a good quality of life but once you are 50 plus being healthy is all about can I do the things that I used to do or let me rephrase that being healthy is about being able to do the things you want or desire to do mm-hmm. right so mm-hmm. I also used to be fitness instructor and I'm, I've always been into health is nothing new but my knees bother me right I can't run like I used to run but as long as I can walk I'm okay with that right and you have to learn and know your body as well like can you bend all the way down even if something as simple as bending down to get a pot or a pan if you get up the wrong way that could lead you into in the hospital that's where the importance of physical activity and nutrition come into play. And I'm, I'm going to end it here real soon because I can go on and on because this is one of the thing, other things that I'm passionate about. So real brief, your physical activity is your physical activity. Don't get caught up in what your sister is doing, what your friend is doing in the latest and the greatest. Trust me. I don't have a Peloton. I know a lot of people do. That's awesome. I never grabbed hold of that because I've been on this health journey for as long as I can remember. Mm -hmm. And I favor, I like home-based workouts and things that I can do using my own body weight. Um, I feel like over a period of time, that is definitely going to help your bones and your joints. But do what works for you. Mm -hmm. If if your friend is running a marathon and they're doing this and that, that's wonderful for them. You do what works for you. If that's mm-hmm. 10 minutes a day, that's 10 minutes a day, or t- I'll take that back. I'll say, like, 10 minutes in increments because I do that. 10 minutes in the morning, maybe 10 minutes in the middle of the day at lunch, 10 minutes in the evening. Mm-hmm. That's 30 minutes right there.
0: Just something.
1: Of something right? I used to teach my patients this. You can go to YouTube and Google a one-minute mile walk or a three-minute mile walk, and you can get a good exertion out of that, but that is going to help your heart health, right? So we're talking about the condition of our hearts, right? So if you don't have a personal trainer, or of course, you don't have a boot camp, that's okay. You do what works for you. If that's walking the dog, you know, going on YouTube, doing Doing something like what I just explained, you can, you know, a one minute mile, then that's still going to help your heart. And let's talk about nutrition, okay? So there is so much out there with keto and uh, there's the Mediterranean diet. There's all these different diets and things that are out there. But again, you do what works for you and do things in moderation. So we know that too much of anything is not good. So the key things that I will say, my favorites that I like, is what I refer to as clean eating. Now, I'm not a plant-based crazed person, right? Clean eating is not too much of any, of any fatty foods. Plant-based stuff, things or food, yes, that's good, but you don't have to be vegan to be quote-unquote good. Because I feel like a lot of that is faddish, too. And I won't even get into knowing your blood type. Mm-hmm. Now I'm entering into my sister's arena. I do want to have her on this podcast one day, too. <laughs> She's an occupational therapist, health coach, Chanel South Hall.
0: Shout out to Chanel. Yes,
1: yes, Chanel Black South Hall. But there's also eating according to your blood type, right? So mm-hmm. you could be vegan, but according to your blood type, you should be eating meat that i'm gonna say i'm a save, I'm gonna savor the flavor so I'm not going that's, that's a whole nother episode i'm i I'm gonna have my sister on here mm-hmm. really going into that, so do what works for you right mm-hmm. Clean eating is I like those mantras of water first, veggies most and these these just come from different programs that I've done. I've been a beach body coach. I took a whole course on personal training when I was living in in Atlanta, so this isn't anything that's new for me. But clean eating is eating a lot of your vegetables, doubling the amount of your vegetables. The, the more colorful your plate is, the better. Because we know those foods that are colorful are typically good for us, right? Mm-hmm. So those types of tips. Um, water. You should be drinking at least half your body weight in ounces of water a day. So if you weigh 200 pounds, you should be drinking about 100 ounces a day. You take an average bottle of water that's sixteen ounces. What's that? About six bottles of water mm-hmm. a day, mm-hmm. right? You divide that up. You say, okay, two in the morning, two in the middle of the day, two in the afternoon evening. That's not hard to do, but and you place that water with you wherever you are. Mm-hmm. Keep it in your car if you're working. Keep it on your at your desk. But water is so important, and then vital, vital. So those are just some general things as far as nutrition. And then with nutrition, after you eat dinner, be done. No snacking through the night because eating late at night, laying down, that's a sure, for sure way to gain weight. Mm -hmm. And if you have any type of gastrointestinal or stomach issues, that's going to make it worse, like reflux and those types of things. Mm -hmm. So... And you want to eat at least about 7 or 8 o'clock if you can. Now, I will say this. If you work late, if you're up late at night, I work late. So when you, if you find yourself hungry, try to avoid the carbs, chips, and things like that because of hormones we have in our body called ghrelin and leptin. It naturally makes us gravitate to carbs to eat. But instead of eating, if it's 10, 10.30 at night, you're up catching up on CNN or whatever... Make you a tea, drink you some water, and you will you will soon find out that you're not really hungry, but you're thirsty. Mm-hmm. And what that also does when you're dinner and done is you have pretty much have put your body in a fasting state between the time you go to bed until you wake up in the morning. And then water first. Drink your water first thing when you get up in the morning. Drink your water first thing right before you even Mm -hmm. eat and then drink your drink some water first before your head hits the pillow Mm -hmm. and drink water first when you think you're hungry and it's late at night Mm -hmm. so those are kind of some of my tips about nutrition physical activity and water and then i'm going to close out with what i like to call the wealth care mp tip for new health rules or simple changes that you can do to achieve whole body wellness. And I want to talk about sugar. Uh,
0: before you do that, I yeah. just wanna I just want to uh jump in here and just make two points of clarification. I think when um my wife mentioned um vegans or um a crazed vegan diet and she also mentioned uh, Peloton. I don't think that for anybody listening, there was not an attack on vegans or attack on Peloton owners. Uh, no, please no, don't take it all. that way. It wasn't a diss against anyone in that circle. Basically, what she was saying is don't allow someone else's phase or craze to be yours just because you think feel like you got to do that to fit in if that's not going to be what's going to help you accomplish your personal health goals do what works for you that's all she was saying
1: right because right like
0: for example if you're a person that says i've been trying to save up my money so i can get this peloton i've been trying my friend got one and my other friend got one and and as a result you have this built-in excuse for not working out because you don't have enough money to buy a Peloton. In other words, do what works for you. There's a lot of things you can do at home, from home, that don't require a Peloton for you to still be active. So that's the point she was making. I just wanted to clarify that to all you listeners.
1: Yes, and that everything doesn't work for everybody. Correct. Everything is individualized, whether it comes to, we're talking about finances health mm-hmm. fitness mm-hmm. or our purpose in life everything is personalized so that's what i definitely what i meant um uh, by that absolutely um but the healthcare, care wealth care mp tip that i was going to leave uh, about some simple ways or things you can do i wanted to talk about is you don't take anything else away from this um how important it is to reduce the amount of sugar that you're eating and that you're drinking it's not about the cavities or being empty calories sugar actually raises your risk for heart disease cancer diabetes and alzheimer's and dementia so if you don't take anything else away Try to begin to make concerted efforts to decrease the amount of sugar that you're eating and you're drinking. Because we often forget about those things that we drink that have a lot of sugar in it. And it's lurking everywhere. Processed foods, cakes, cookies. Johnny, you remember Mm -hmm. we went to the store and I turned out it was the wheat bread. Mm -hmm. And we saw that, uh, what did it say? Uh, High High fructose, fructose
0: corn syrup.
1: Right. So you got to pay, yogurt, so you have to pay attention to those things. And the tip that I would leave you, there's something called glutamine. So if you have a sweet tooth and you are making an effort to decrease the sugar in your diet because it is an addiction, um, there is something a supplement that you can take called glutamine, which is when you have a craving, you can take that instead. And there's about, it's about a thousand milligrams that you can take every four to six hours as needed. And you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells high quality vitamins and supplements. All right. So I left you with some, uh, tips about avoiding sugar or i I'm sorry, not avoiding sugar, but decreasing the amount of sugar, that you're consuming, being aware of that. And then some of the things you can do if you are struggling and have a sweet tooth, there is a supplement called glutamine that when you're having these cravings, you can take that. And you can find it anywhere that sells high-quality vitamins and supplements. And then you can also use some, uh, like, stevia for a sweetener in your drinks as well as a supplement. Or, of course, honey. You can never go wrong with that. But those are some of the tips. And then my book recommendation for this week is a book called Medicare Demystified by Ronald Kahn, M.D. Last name is K-A-H-A-N M.D. All right, that is all I have for your wealth care, M.P. Good people.
0: Thank you, Doc. We appreciate you. And before we go, my my book recommendation for you is a book that um, I just recently finished reading uh, called. Stress-free retirement by Patrick Kelly. Last month, or the first episode, I mentioned um, the retirement miracle by Patrick Kelly. I finished his also book called Stress-free Retirement. Uh, an outstanding read, something you should definitely um, absorb and take heed to. And um, you know, after you've read it, if you are convicted about how you should move to prepare for your retirement. You should reach out to my wife and I, and let us help you. That's what we do. Legacy Planning Partners is exactly what we do: is help people prepare for their retirement in both, uh, in a wealth from a wealth perspective, as well as a health perspective. So I hope this uh, episode meant something to you. I hope this episode intrigued you, encouraged you, motivated you, sparked something in your in your mind and your spirit to uh, to get you going in the to start preparing for that glorious day where you could take advantage of your license to chill. Like that's what I call retirement, your license to chill. Right. But you know how well that you prepare for that day is going to determine how well you can take advantage of that license. Right. So, you know, retirement is not a function of age as much as it is a function of desire when do you want to retire and how would you prefer your lifestyle be when you do so from a health perspective and from a financial perspective what do you want to do what do you want to accomplish how do you want to live after you retire do you just want to survive And just pay your bills or do you want to enjoy that time doing the things that you want to do? Helping other people, traveling the world, building your dream home, starting a dream business, what have you. Retirement does not necessarily mean I'm never working again. It means I'm not working in this system that's requiring me to do what they want me to do to earn an income. I have prepared an income for myself so I can do the things that I want to do for the remaining years of my life. That is the function of retirement right? That's the desire within retirement. So I hope that helps you. We love you. We thank you for listening. Um, Once again, Doc, thank you for being with us. Thank you for educating the people on how to take better care of their health as we we approach that glorious day of retirement. Um, We look forward to seeing you guys on the next episode of the Black Wealth and Culture podcast. Take care. Today's episode of the Black Wealth and Culture podcast was brought to you by Legacy Planning Partners. Legacy Planning Partners provides financial education and services to help families save more, earn more, and pay less in taxes. Legacy Planning Partners is on a crusade to teach how money works and how you can take advantage of the powerful financial tools and resources available to you. As licensed, non-captive life and health insurance agents, Legacy Planning Partners leverages their relationships with over 80 different companies to provide you with a financial plan designed specifically to help you and your family reach all of your future and current financial goals. Visit www.flpp.life for more information.